Section 3 of Short Stories and Poems for Children, Original and Select by Unknown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Little Fish Stealer Dennis was a very thoughtless and wild boy, and set off one day to rob a fish pond not far from the village where he lived. When he got to the pond, he plunged in his arm and felt about for the fish for a long time without catching any. At last he laid hold of what he thought was a very fine and large one, and, pulling it out, what was his surprise and fright to behold a fierce-looking serpent, which he instantly threw from him back into the water and ran off. James, the old fisherman, was just behind him, and gave him another fright. "'Dennis,' said James, "'I will let you off for this time, in the hope that what you have now seen may do you good for the future. Remember my words.' the words of an old man. Whenever you are tempted to take anything that is not your own, look on it with the same horror as you did just now on that poisonous serpent. A stolen article turns to a viper in the hands of the thief. The goods we gain unjustly turn to loss. What's fairly got is gold. All else is worse than dross. The Shepherd There was once a shepherd who kept his sheep not far from the seashore. He often looked upon the broad expanse of the ocean, with the numerous ships and small boats spread over its surface, and, comparing his own quiet life with that of the merchants and traders who sailed to all parts of the world to fetch the produce of distant countries, he began at last to be discontented with his lot, and secretly to sigh for the life of a merchant. "'Oh, how happy!' said he should I be to plough the sea in a good vessel of my own, and to visit the remote parts of the world, instead of standing idly here looking down upon a parcel of senseless sheep while they graze at my feet? Then what golden returns should I make in the way of traffic, and what a certain path would this be to riches and honour? This thought became a resolution. He sold his flock and his farm, and all that he had, bought a vessel, and fitted it out for a voyage. He traded to foreign lands, and was soon on his way home with the valuable cargo of merchandise, which he had procured in exchange for that which he had taken out with him. He had not been very long at sea, however, before the wind began to blow tempestuously, and the waves to rage and swell to such a degree that his ship was in danger of sinking, and he was obliged to lighten her by throwing the whole of his cargo overboard, but even this did not save her. The vessel was driven upon a rock and split to pieces, while he himself hardly escaped with life. Poor and destitute of subsistence, he applied himself to the man who had bought his former property, and was admitted to tend his flock as a hireling. He looked again upon the sea with far different feelings than before. Experience had now cured him of his ambition, and he resolved to spend the rest of his days contentedly in that condition of life for which providence had fitted him, and which he had once so foolishly abandoned. The Lily Louisa had a beautiful garden, and in the calm summer evenings she took much delight in watering the flowers and plants that flourished in it. In one of its walks a lily bloomed in snow-white purity, whose brilliancy was still further heightened by the green turf around it, in the midst of which it was planted. Louisa was an amiable girl, and looked with delight at the dew lying on its beautiful leaves in the bright rays of the morning sun, while, at the same time, 
she had been taught to raise her thoughts in pious admiration and gratitude to the great creator of the sun the dew and the lily her parents shared in her pure and devout joy and said to themselves she is herself like a lily in purity and grace but before the end of the year she died and when the lily bloomed again her mother thought of her daughter with grief and shed bitter tears the father then said when this beautiful lily was quite young and grew in a corner of the garden i took it up and louisa was sorry and said i should hurt it but when she saw me plant it in a more favourable spot where it became the ornament of the garden she was very glad and thanked me for having removed it and just so my dear let us not weep and lament that louisa has left us for a better world for as she was like the lily in innocence and beauty while she lived so now she blooms far from this bleak and stormy earth in the ever calm and happy skies of paradise beyond the tomb beneath a fairer sky they bloom in fadeless grace in christ who die the iron chain simon was a worthless fellow and in fact a thief he did not steal openly indeed but if anything came in his way he kept it although he knew very well to whom it belonged one morning he was passing by a smith's forge and saw not far from the door a large iron chain lying on the ground looking carefully around him to see if any one was near and seeing no one he took hold of the chain but let it fall to the ground again as quickly uttering at the same time a loud cry the chain was almost red-hot and had burnt his hand severely the smith who had placed the chain on the ground to cool came out hearing the cries of the young man and said to him your hand which you employed in taking what was not your own well deserved its punishment and for your future benefit i would advise you to hang up the chain and never to forget the following maxim from others goods and from hot iron keep write good advice if you in peace would sleep the big turnip a poor but honest and hard-working man had in his garden a turnip which was so big as to astonish everybody so he thought within himself that he would make a present of it to his landlord who he knew liked to see his tenants careful and industrious his landlord praised him very much for such attention to his garden and made him a handsome present for his pains a neighbor who was very rich and covetous hearing of the poor man's good fortune thought that he too would make a present to his landlord of a fine fat sheep which he had thinking that if the other got such a handsome present for a miserable turnip he should surely get much more for his fine sheep when his landlord saw him come with his present he knew very well that such generosity was only a mere pretense in order to get a good prize for his sheep and therefore refused at first to accept it but as the man still begged that he would be pleased to take it his landlord consented saying well if you force me to do so i suppose i must take it but as you are so very generous allow me to make you a present in return of this very fine turnip which i assure you cost me three times the value of your sheep the man thunderstruck at this unexpected present sneaked off with the turnip not very well pleased at the success of his scheme the dog and the crocodile as a dog was coursing the banks of the nile he grew thirsty but fearing to be seized by the monsters of that river he would not stop to quench his thirst but lapped as he ran 
a crocodile raising his head above the surface of the water asked him why he was in such a hurry i have often he said wished for your acquaintance and should be glad to embrace the present opportunity to make it you do me great honour returned the dog but it is to avoid such companions as you that i make so much haste the fish and the fig dear mother said a little fish pray is not that a fly i'm very hungry and i wish you'd let me go and try sweet innocent the mother cried and started from her nook that horrid fly is put to hide the sharpness of the hook now as i've heard this little trout was young and foolish too and so he thought he'd venture out to see if it were true and round about the hook he played with many a longing look and dear me to himself he said i'm sure that's not a hook i can but give one little pluck let's see and so i will so on he went and lo it stuck quite through his little grill and as he faint and fainter grew with hollow voice he cried dear mother had i minded you i need not now have died the two sparrows in a certain year when there had been but little rain and everything was parched and dried up two sparrows were almost starved to death my dear brother said the weakest of the two to the other gather up all your strength fly about and try to find some food i would gladly go with you but i cannot move if you get some food bring me a little but make haste or i shall die with hunger his companion promised to do as he wished and flew away he was so happy as to find a cherry tree full of ripe fruit oh cried he my friend and i are saved he perched on the tree begun to peck at the cherries which he found very nice and soon satisfied his hunger an hour passed away the sun was setting the sparrow began to think that it was time to carry a few cherries to his fainting friend but no said he i am yet too faint myself and i will just eat this cherry and then this and this thus he went on hopping from bough to bough till night came and he fell asleep he did not awake till morning and then hurried back to his brother but he found him lying on his back and quite dead remember that promises are sacred and particularly so when given to a person in distress in our own good fortune we are too apt to forget the misfortunes of others the nail a countryman one day got out his horse to take a journey to a town not far off before riding away he saw that one of the horse's shoes wanted a nail but he thought a nail more or less was of no consequence so he rode on without stopping to put in another on the journey the shoe came off and the man thought that if there were a smithy near he would go in and get it fastened on but not seeing one he rode on saying to himself that the horse would get on very well with the three shoes that he had by and by the horse hurt his foot and began to limp and coming near a wood two robbers rushed out of it and as the horse could not gallop off they took him with them with his nice saddle and bridle leaving his master to find his way as he could as he walked along without his horse he could not help saying to himself not in the best humour you may be sure well who would have thought that for want of a nail i should lose my horse the words of the old proverb apply to the affairs of the world to come as well as to those of the present life never delay or slight the smallest thing from this weak cause misfortunes often spring
End of section three.